All right. I just want to keep going, right? Hey, good to see you. My name's Michael, and I'm one of the pastors. And you can tell this has been a crazy week. Last night was my first night out all week. And uh, so I'm still getting over a cold. So a couple things we got to agree to today. Uh, I am thoroughly doped up. So uh, I know some of you look forward to that. You know, it's like, um, so just remember that anything I say today can't be held against me in a court of law. And number two, and number two I am so pumped up about this message. Uh, this is something God's been stirring in my heart literally since last May. And so I'm just excited to be here. So if we could just all agree, we're going to ignore the quality of my voice today, right? So if I cough or whatever, let's just ignore it. I'm going to make it through. I'll be fine. Um, But before we jump in, a couple things I want to share with you. This week, uh, I'm going to be sending a ministry update letter, as I I do several times a year, just kind of what's going on in the church, State of the Union, kind of things, some big things in January. Um, And so if you're not on our uh, email list and you want to receive that letter from me, email letter, uh, just write a connect card inside your program, fill it out, say that you want to uh, be included. But um, I want to mention a couple of things um, just here while we're together to celebrate, because this has been such an incredible year in so many ways, and I just want to celebrate some things together. First of all, uh, I want to thank you, because as a church, um, I just want to thank those of you who have just been, uh, throughout the year, just given so generously and sacrificially to advance the movement of Jesus, because it's really making a huge difference. This was by far our best financial year since I've been here um, in uh, 2012, uh, uh, over 12 years ago, almost 12 years ago. Um, and, uh, and because of that, you know, whenever, whenever we give generously, it opens doors for the kingdom that we wouldn't have otherwise. And one of the things was is that, you know, we, we did that assignment project um, a couple, you know, a few years ago, kind of finished that to refurbish our, this building and the, the, the kids' ministry building. And then we began to grow again, and we kind of have been outgrowing it, right? And so we, we, we uh, last, last year felt like we really needed to do something to address that, um, <laughs> and we didn't want to do another financial campaign because we just finished one. But you have given so generously this year that we are able to take some major steps forward without even doing a campaign. And one of the things that, the, one of the biggest things was we did a major remodel of this small auditorium over here that uh, uh, we're now calling the Ridge that is used by so many ministries at the church, but especially this remodel is going to allow us to kick off our first ever kind of full-scale live worship, large screen, uh, high-def video venue. And so next weekend when you come at both the 9 and 11 o'clock service, that will be one of your options. So we know a lot of you will prefer to be in here. That's awesome because I need someone to talk to, right? Uh, but some of you may want a more uh, kind of intimate experience over there, and uh, it's going to have its own cafe, its own first impressions, the whole first thing. It's going to be an awesome experience. And so next week when you come, um, you'll have that option. But the main reason we're doing this, obviously, is just to create more space for the people God's bringing. That when you come, that we're not, you know, we don't say, welcome to Rocky Peak, now go home because it's too full. So, um, so way to go with that. I mean, it's unbelievable to pull off. That, that size of a project, I mean, we're talking uh, over a half million dollars, $600,000 over, you know, uh, just out of our general fund because you've given so generously. And so way to go on that. Uh, along that line, I want to give you an update too because in December, um, I shared with you that uh, this had been a great year financially for us and yet going into the end of the month, it was very important that we hit our numbers because we've spent so much money, you know, to, to do these other things that we stay on track. And so I sent out an email a couple days before the end of the month 
just saying that, hey, here's where we're at. We're about 160 grand short of our goal for, uh, for the month. And, uh, and so that's just is where we're at. And uh, that's not that ab- abnormal, but just here's where we're at. So if, as God leads. And I just want to let you know, we came in way above our goal. So that, well, I'll share more about that in the letter. But the third thing is that I want to share that I'm so excited, you're going to love, is that, you know, we do these initiatives for the poor that uh, two or three times a year we reach out to someplace across the world where, God, where, where people are hurting, just to love in Jesus' name. And typically, to give you some context, we've been doing this for five or six years, typically when we do this, uh, about thirty dollars to $50,000 will be given to meet a particular need. Now, last year, um, we did the Himalayan Joy Home in January, I mean in December, and that was off the charts. You remember that we received over $140,000. It was just like, incredibly, we never experienced it, but we, hey, that makes sense, right? We're saving baby girls are going to die in India, and it's a ministry launched out of our church, and it just really moved us, and that made sense. I kind of thought it was a one-off. So we're coming this year to do this thing for Sudan pastors, right? Scholarship to, uh, and, and our goal was like, when well, we would love it if we got between 50 and 70,000, because there's about 15 to 20 of these pastors that are apparently ready to go, and we could make their, you know, uh, their education a reality. And so that's a huge goal, but we were kind of hoping for that. And I didn't even know what to do with this, that you have given almost $220,000 to that. And it's just like amazing. Uh, and this is going to allow us not only to fund those first 15 or 20, but to fund many more in the coming years to help that war-torn land. And so I just want to celebrate uh, God's goodness, your generosity. Thank you. I love being your pastor. And it's a privilege leading you. Thank you very much for that. Mm. Now, we're going to go into our time of teaching right now. And so if you're brand new, we want to welcome you. Uh, inside your program is a green and white message note sheet, and I'm ready to go. I'm fired up for this message. Are you guys all set? Okay, let's jump in. God, we're just uh, so thankful to be here. We thank you for your love in our lives and the way you've reached out to us in Jesus and through your Holy Spirit, and you've remade and renewed and called us to be new people. And <clears throat> as we stand at the beginning of a new year, God, we want to go for everything we, that you've got for us. We don't want to sit back and wait for the future to come. We want to reach for it, run into it. We want to squeeze every drop that you have for us out of 2017. And so we pray that as we come today, you would speak through the power of your spirit, be with me, may my mind be clear, my voice be strong, but most importantly, will you gather around your word and listen to what you would say to us as your people today. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, our story starts today on a Wednesday. And uh, the year is 2008, it's uh, in August, it's August the 13th, and he's been training for this day for a long time. He wakes up at 6.30 in the morning, his alarm goes off, he gets stressed, and he uh, goes to the Olympic Village, where he will take in a carefully prescribed exact amount of the right calories. They're going to be made up of eggs, oatmeal, and four energy shakes. At 7 o'clock, he's going to head back to the training center. And at 8 o'clock, exactly two hours before race time, he's going to begin a carefully prescribed, choreographed set of exercises. They're going to start with his shoulders and arms and go down through his torso, through his legs and ankles for exactly 30 minutes. And at 8.30, he's going to begin to get into the pool and carry out exactly 45 minutes of a routine of 
strokes that will move through a variety of strokes to warm up his body. At 9.15, he'll climb out of the pool, go into the locker room, where for the next 20 minutes, it will take him to put on his skin-tight racing suit. From that point on, he'll talk to no one else. He'll put his earbuds in and put on his favorite playlist, the same one before every race, of his favorite hip-hop tunes. At 9.56, he'll walk out from backstage and take his stance as they call his name as one of the contestants in this race. After they call his name, he'll step down from the platform, and he will stretch his arms three times, not four or not two. And then exactly at 10 o'clock, he will step up on the podium, on the platform, and take his stance ready for the signal of the starter to begin. Well, today, we are continuing this series that we started last week. And if you're brand new, this is just a two-week series, which is sort of unusual for us here. And uh, we, uh, uh, we, we call the series Reach. And the basic idea behind this series is that this time of the year, the first of the year, it's just a natural time to evaluate our lives. So I think most of us do this just naturally. You think through the past year, what do you like? What do you want to change? Any mid-course corrections? Any new goals that you have? And so we wanted to start the year with a couple of weeks we just focused on the new year and said, hey, we don't want to wait for this year just to come to us and just be responding, reacting, that we want to reach for whatever, everything that God has for us. And so last year, last week, uh, Dre kicked it off with a message where he talked about uh, the importance if we're going to reach for the future, experiencing everything God has, that we would uh, build into our life a routine, a regular rhythm of spending time with God one-on-one time from which we can hear from God, uh, draw close, get perspective on life, and then live life by design and not by default. And Dre did a great job of that. I would completely agree with him. If there's only one habit that I could have my way in your life, that would be the one habit that we would start uh, and have regular time with God so we can move out and reach for the future. And today what I want to do is I want to build on that, and uh, I want to talk to you about a topic of spiritual training. Now, this, uh, this topic for me goes back to last uh, May. Uh, back in May, uh, Lynn and I were on a week of vacation. Um, we were celebrating our 40th anniversary. And uh, when Lynn and I traveled together um, like that, we, we actually work really well together. Our rhythms work well because she likes sleeping in and I like getting up. And so... Um, <laughs> I'll usually get up in the morning and have some, several hours of quiet time, and I'll come back at 11, she's ready to go, it's perfect. And so um, uh, during that week, there was a passage of scripture that God kept bringing to my mind, and I, I spent a lot of time in, that was just really powerful. I'd read it many times before, but it was one of those times where you know what I'm talking about, the Holy Spirit's just really speaking it to you personally. And, uh, and the passage was in 1 Timothy chapter 4. And I'd like you to open your Bibles, if you have your apps, go ahead and open up, turn on there. Um, if you're here today, you don't have a Bible or an app on your phone, um, just feel free to look on with someone else. They have to share. It's church. Uh, <laughs> so in chapter 4, um, let me set it up. Chapter 4 and verse uh, sev- 7. We're going to start in the middle of 7. Let me set it up. So the Apostle Paul is writing to his young protege uh, named Timothy. Timothy is one of the brightest and best leaders in the early movement of Jesus. And the Apostle Paul, one of the senior leaders, 
has left him in charge of the growing movement of Jesus in Ephesus, which is the fourth largest city in the Roman Empire. And so in this passage, he talks to him about, Timothy, here's what you need to do to um, carry out your mission. Here's what you need to do to live well in your life. Here's what you need to grow and change, become like Jesus, and have great impact. And so that's really the topic on the table today, that I believe as we go into 2017, I don't know about you, but I want to grab for everything God has in this year. I don't want to waste a year. And so in this passage, he's saying, hey, here's what you need, how you need to approach your spiritual life in order to succeed. And so we'll pick it up in chapter 4 and verse 7, right in the middle of the verse. And he says, uh, Timothy, you need to train yourself to be what? Godly. That's great. Three people. Let me set the alarm. Yeah. Okay, let's do it again. Train yourself to be godly. All right, so I want to talk to you about two words, all right? Train and godly. Uh, and I'm going to spend a couple minutes here because it's important. We're building a whole message today around these two words. So, so train yourself to be godly. The first word train is an athletic word, all right? So in the ancient world, sports were a big deal. I realize they're no, no longer a big deal today, but uh, they were a big deal. And so, but their sports, of course, weren't basketball, football, uh, hockey. We won't include golf, but... Um, Baseball, uh, they, they, were, uh, they were things like track and field, right? So they, the Olympic Games, you know, that sort of thing. They had many versions of those. But, you know, running, um, wrestling, boxing, javelin, that kind of thing. So, um, so anyway, so uh, the first word is a, it's a sports word. It says train yourself is an athletic imagery word. In fact, the word in Greek, and I'd actually like you to write this down in your note sheet, um, is, uh, I'm going to give it to you and then I'll, I'll spell it in English, is gumnadso, right? Gumnadso. And so you spell it like this, G-U-M-N-A-Z-O, gumnadso. Now it can come as a verb or a noun, and the noun is gumnadse, uh, but we, we won't worry about that. But anyway, he's going to use it a couple different ways in this, this passage, and it's an athletic term, all right? So it's, it's, what it's saying is that when you're in the games, like when you're in the athletic games, you're competing, that you had to go into strict training. There were actually rules about this. You couldn't just enter the race. You, you had to have demonstrated you'd gone into strict training uh, in order to even qualify to be part of these races. And so he says, I want you to train yourself, catch this, like an athlete would approach a big race. He said, if you want to succeed in your life as a follower of Jesus, Timothy, you need to approach your spiritual life in the same way an athlete in the Olympics would approach a training regimen. Now we're going to come back to that, but that's pretty significant. The second word is the word godliness. Now, this is a word that we don't use a lot today. I mean, even in Christian circles here at Rocky Peak, we wouldn't say, oh, we wouldn't talk about godliness a lot or being really godly. Sometimes we'll use that, but in general, well, we don't use that. It's not a word in our culture. You don't hear people say that. And I'm not even sure what it means. Like I was going to say, hey, just be godly. You'd probably have a certain idea of what that would mean, but I'm not even sure what I would mean. You know, it's like, it takes a lot of character. Uh, so I want to give you the word in Greek. It's a hard word to translate. They went with godly, um, and that's because as best they could do, I understand their, their pain. So uh, the word in Greek is the word eusebia, and it's spelled like this, E-U-S-E-B-I-A, eusebia. And eusebia had to do with the attitude in the ancient world 
And this is why it doesn't transfer real good, because we don't think like they did. But in the Greco-Roman world, Eusebia was a, a word that was used to describe the way you would live life to honor the gods. You'd honor the gods. And so you honor the gods by your sacrifices and so on, but you also honor gods by the life you live, especially you live maybe a life of nobility or virtue, honoring your parents, um, certain things in the Greco-Roman world that you'd uh, be patriotic towards your country, that kind of thing. So Eusebia dealt with sort of like the religious noble life, that people were expected to live a noble life honoring the gods. And so for us today, like I'm starting to think, well, here at Rocky Peak, like what would that translate? And I often use the term that we would live life the way it's designed to be lived, right? That we, we would love God, we love people, we live the noble life. It's, that's kind of the idea, the spiritual life. So right at the beginning, Paul says to Timothy, topic on the table, he says, train yourself like an athlete for living this noble life that we're called to, this life of spiritual growth, impact, and so on. So, so at the beginning, he says that, that if you want to succeed, you want to live life to the full, you want to carry out your life call, you want to make a difference, Timothy, you need to approach your spiritual life like an athlete approaches training for the games. Are you with me? That's pretty profound, isn't it? Now, let's go on. So, So he says, um, for physical training, and that's that word Eusebia again now, all right? Physical training, um, working out, is of some value. So like, for example, uh, probably some of us are going back to the gym this month, and we're going to start eating less this month, and we'll talk more about that later. But, um, but he says, hey, there's some real value in that. When you're working out and you get in shape... You're going to feel better, look better. Your life's going to be healthy. There's real value in working out. It has some value. He says, but godliness, remember Eusebia, that noble life, um, has value for all things, including promise for both the present life and the life to come. So he said, Eusebia, uh, living this life um, that's focused on this life that God's called us to live, he says, that impacts all of your life. When you train for Eusebia, that impacts everything. It impacts your personal character. It impacts your relationships, your family, the way you approach your career. It impacts uh, your ministry impact and your long-term kingdom impact, both this life and the next. So there's no comparison between the value of the two. And then he goes on and he says, this is a trustworthy statement that, you know, that, you, that we should be training for Eusebia that deserves full acceptance. This is why we, Timothy, you, me, as leaders, we labor and we strive. We help people strive for this because we put our hope in the living God. And you skip down to verse 11. So command and teach these things, you know, about spiritual training, and don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but set an example for the believers. And now he begins to give us some examples of what he means by Eusebia. Like if you were doing physical training, We'd say, what's your goal? Well, I want to lose 15 pounds. I want to be in shape. I want to run a marathon, whatever the thing is. Well, if you're training for Eusebia, what does that look like? What's our goal? And he, he gives us five examples. He says, <coughs> set an example before the believers in speech. Just your words, the way you use your words. Use your words to build others up, not tear them down. In conduct, the way you live your life. In love, loving God, loving people. In faith, the way you trust God, live out your faith. Impurity, your moral purity. He says, until I come, I want you to devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture. Now remember, 
In those days, most believers didn't have their own copy of scriptures. So the only way you'd hear the scripture is when you'd be read in your meaning. So he says, Timothy, as leader of the church, be sure you read the scripture so people are getting the word in their life. And he said, but also give attention to preaching and teaching. Don't just read it, but explain it so people can follow it. And he says, and Timothy, don't neglect your gift. So Timothy was a pastor. He was a leader. He's a teacher. He had teaching gifts, wisdom gifts, evangelism gifts. He says, hey, don't neglect the gifts that God's given you. That's part of your training, right, spiritual training. He said uh, that were given to you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. So there, apparently there was a time when Timothy was younger, when he was called into leadership, that they, uh, the elders laid their hands on him, prayed for him, and some people had some prophetic words about his calling, his future, and so on. He said, hey, stay focused. Part of your training is to develop that gift that was given. Remember what God told you about that gift. And he says in verse 15, so be diligent in these matters and give yourself wholly to them. I love it in the Greek. It says, it literally says, be in them. What it says, be in them. Like live in those gifts. Be in them. And uh, so here it says, set yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Now we'll come back to this later. But here's what I want you to catch. When someone is in training, people around them can tell, right? Like if you, like for example, if you start out a new workout routine this month and you start eating well and you carry it out for a month and about a month, people are gonna begin to notice. They may not notice right away, but about a month they're gonna begin to notice. They're gonna say things like, hey, have you been losing weight? Are you okay? Hey, have you been working? Like, man, your legs look. Well, they're going to start making comments. Um, if an athlete's in training, the coach is going to be able to tell the progress. They're getting faster, stronger. They can lift more, more flexible, whatever the thing is. And so I want you to catch this. So Paul says that if you're training the right way, Timothy, ever, it should be evident. You're growing. You're becoming more like Jesus. Your gift is, you're becoming more competent in your gifting. You know, like I, I had an email from someone who is recently uh, moving to another area, and they're just thanking me for what the church has done in their life, how they come to Jesus, how their life has changed, and so on. They made a comment, you know, about, like, I've just watched you grow as a teacher in the last couple of years. And it's always, you know, you always have mixed feelings about that, right? <laughs> I, I used to suck, but now, you know, you're getting a little bit. But, but the point is they're seeing growth. And that's what he's saying here. So you should, we should, in all of our areas of gifting, we should be getting better at what we're doing. And everyone should be able to see that. If we're staying the same, something's wrong. If we're going backwards, something's wrong. And he says, so watch your life and your doctrine closely. Persevere in them. Because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Hey, there's a lot at stake here, Timothy. All right? Now, so that, that's the passage. Now, here's what I want to do. What I want to do in the time that we have today is I want to break this down, and I want to lay out one big picture principle that, that Paul is laying out for us that's kind of the foundation for everything he's saying. Um, it's really important for us to understand how spiritual life works if we're going to tackle 2017 well. But secondly, then I want to come back and I want to, want to ask four plus one questions, all right? Um, I, I want to ask four, four plus one to see how we're doing and where we go from here. So there in your note sheet, 
you have a section that's called Spiritual Training, the Big Picture. So let's jump in. Let's, let's talk about the big picture principle he's laying out. What he wants us to understand is that growth isn't automatic. Paul wants us to understand in this passage that, that spiritual growth, change, transformation isn't automatic. Now, my guess is that when you first came to Jesus, or if you haven't yet given your life to Jesus, when you do, certain changes just start happening automatically. Because the Holy Spirit comes to you, he starts to change you from the inside out, he changes your heart and your desires, and it's just kind of a natural thing. And so when you first come to Jesus, you see a lot of this change, but the longer we walk with Jesus, it often seems the next changes come harder. And that's true, and that's normal. And what Paul is saying here is that growth, Timothy, isn't automatic. Now, I want you to think about this. Timothy is one of the brightest and best in the early movement of Jesus. He is sold out to Jesus Christ. He has suffered for Jesus Christ. He has been gifted by God supernaturally to lead the movement of Jesus. And yet, Paul is telling him, hey, if you don't train, you won't achieve. Now, that's really significant. If you don't train, if you, don't train you won't achieve. You're not going to win unless you approach this life as an athlete in training. So I want you to think about athletes in training. You know, we started the day with the story of this young man <coughs> that uh, August 13th, 2008, uh, gets up at 6.30 in the morning, puts on his clothes, goes to the cafeteria, and starts this very carefully choreographed pre-race training routine. What he eats, where he, uh, what time he gets up, how much sleep he gets, what he does when he gets up, how he stretches, uh, how he swims in the pool, putting on the headphones, the music, everything, just training, uh, training routine down, right? And, and so my, and we left him there on the starter's block, right, the starter's uh, uh, platform. And so my guess is, is that most of you probably recognize who that person is. Right? So who's the person? Yeah, Michael Phelps. We all know him because, you know why we know him? Because he is the most successful Olympic athlete in history. I just got my Sports Illustrated a couple weeks ago and had a picture of him with his 28 gold medals stretched across his body. It was an incredible picture. No one's ever come close. And so we know him because he's so successful, but chances are many of you know how famous he is for his training. And of course, it's not that unusual. I mean, pretty much any world-class athlete will train at very high levels, but he is just legendary for his training. And what's so interesting is, on the day of that race, he had already won three gold medals earlier that week, but the future to where we stand now was long in the distance. But as he got on top of that platform, he was ready to start the race for, as if I remember right, the 200-meter butterfly, which is sort of his signature event. And so probably if there was anyone favored in the field, that would have been him. But the moment the signal was given and the racer started, disaster hit. The moment he hit the water, his goggles began to fill up with water. Now, I have never been a swimmer. I mean, I, I can swim, but I've never swam competitively. From what I understand, this is a big deal. Because you need to be able to see where you're going. 
And so as he's going along, these goggles are getting more and more filled up. And by the time he makes his final turn for the last lap, they are completely full. He cannot see a thing. He can't even see the black stripe at the bottom of the pool to guide your direction. For most swimmers, this would cause panic in the finals of the Olympic event. You've trained for for four years, but he was cool as a cucumber. And he just took off at full speed and began counting out laps, counting out strokes. He was pretty sure it would take between 20 and 21. And as he got to his final surge, he did his patented Michael Phelps final surge, if you know what I'm talking about. He picked up speed, and after he hit 20, he sensed he needed one more, and he gave one more powerful stroke, and he reached out and glided perfectly to hit the wall, though he could not see where he's going. He hears the fans cheering. He has no idea who they're cheering for. As he pops up and pulls off his goggles and the water pours out and he looks up at the screen, he has not only won the gold medal, he has set a world record. And you're saying, how does that happen? Can I tell you something? He trained for that to happen. You say, what do you mean? Unbelievable. His coach had had him swim in the dark in an indoor pool so that if this ever happened, he would know how to win in the dark. Are you kidding me? I can't do three butterflies. I look more like the cocoon. Like, come back, grasshopper. No. Are you serious? Like you read about that, but isn't that the way it is when you read about these amazing gymnasts or you read about these amazing uh, runners or whatever their, their thing is? And what you see is this common ingredient that people that succeed at a high level, they don't just train, but they center their lives around their training. And it's what's blown me away these last, what, since May, May is when God began to speak this passage to my heart, and then he let it go for about four months, and then in October, brought it back with a bang. What he, it's like this, he said, if you want to win the race of life, you have to approach it like an athlete in training. Growth is not automatic. So the question I have for you as we Go into 2017, and God has a vision for your life of how he wants you to grow and how he wants you to change and develop, and how he wants you to grow in your love and in your faith and in your purity and in your conduct and your speech, and how he wants you to use your gift and become more and more competent in the impact he wants you to have for not just now, but for eternity, and the impact not just your own life, but your family and your friends and your church and your community and the world, and this goes on forever, no hyperbole, it's just the way life works. As God has a vision, the question I have for you is, are you ready to train? And so I have four questions to help you evaluate. And they're in your note sheet. You have a section called spiritual training, four key questions, and I encourage you to be both as honest as possible and also to cover your answers so your spouse can't see. Number one, 
So the first question is, do you have a plan? You know, as we go into 2017, do you have a plan for your spiritual growth, for your Eusebia, Eusebia, for your, um, your, your, the noble life that God wants to, to grow in you, this becoming this person of character, of impact, do you have a plan on how you're going to become that person? Do you have a training plan? Do you have a spiritual training plan? Now, if you and I were to go out to Starbucks this week, I'd suggest waiting till Wednesday so I'm not contagious. But if we were to go out to Starbucks this week, and, and, you were to, and I were to say, hey, what are some of your goals? Do you have any goals for the new year? For the new year? And you say, yeah, one of my goals is I want to get in shape. I said, really, tell me about that. Well, you know, I've been married five years. It's been five pounds a year. I'm out 25 pounds overweight. And uh, I can't even walk up a set of stairs. When I go up the stadium seating in the back of church, I'm breathing hard. And, uh, and so if you ever have an altar call, I'm afraid I'm not going to make it. So uh, I just want to get in shape. And so, uh, and so I, I'm just, I want to lose 25 pounds this year. Um, I, want to, uh, I want to start working out. I want to uh, be able to, I, I want to run a 5K by the summer. And I, I want to, by the end of the year, do a half marathon. And I just want to get back in shape. I say, that's awesome. So what's your plan? And if you said to me, well, I don't really have a plan, I'm just praying that God will work it out. <laughs> Depending on how well I knew you, would decide what I'd say next. <laughs> like, if I don't know you very well, I'd probably say, oh, wow, that's really interesting. Let me know how that goes. If I knew you better, I'd say, are you serious? Nothing ever changes without a plan. I'd say life is way too busy. There are too many distractions. Nothing good ever happens without a plan. It's like everything else is going to get in the way of that. And I can guarantee you if it's been five pounds a year, uh, next year it can be 30 pounds over. Or maybe 31. It tends to pick up speed. Right? And so we, we look at that. We laugh at that. We go, yes, yeah, ridiculous. Who would ever say that? And yet we come to our spiritual life. If I were to ask you, what are your goals for next year? And you say, I want to grow. I want to become more like Jesus. I want to grow my love for him and develop. I want to develop my gifts. And I want to be used more. And I want to get smarter, wiser, better. I want to love people better. And so what's your plan? You go, well, I don't have a plan. I'm just praying it works out. And somehow we think that that'll work. And so I, what's your plan? Now, <laughs> you say, well, how do I come up with a plan? We'll talk about this a little bit more later. But I want to give you... Um, I want to give you something to think about right now, right? So here's what I want to ask you. I want you to think back on your life. If you've been a Christian any length of time at all, and if you're not yet a Christian, we're just so glad you're here. We assume you're probably going to come to Jesus at some point, and I'll bet. Just listen in at this point. Um, if, you, uh, if you've been a Christian any length of time, most of us can look back at our life, and we can pinpoint times when we were growing really fast. Like if I were to ask you, hey, think back. When was the time you were really growing well? Depending on how long you, some of you, oh, it was back in college, when it was first year of college, I remember this, or maybe the second year after we got married, or it was just, you know, and you remember, right? You remember time, and if I were to ask you this, well, what was it about that time? What were some of the key ingredients during that time that was really stimulating your growth? You probably would say, hey, well, yeah, I found this new church, and that's a teaching, I was really connecting with it, and I just felt like God was speaking to me every week, and and I, and I had this friend, we had an accountability group together, or man, it was a time, I was in college, and, 
it was a Christian college, we were studying this course, and I was doing a lot of reading here, or, you know, I was spending, uh, I was really committed to my time with God, and it was a summer, it was a summertime, and I had more free time, and so every day I was getting up and spending time with God, and he's just really meeting me in his word, or uh, it was a time when I joined this new ministry, or they asked me to lead, and I didn't think I could do it, but man, it just, it drove me, I just, uh, you know, to lead that thing, I had to really press into God, and it was, just, and you would just tell me, here's what the ingredients are, and here's the thing. If you were to study your life, I would suggest that most of us can figure out what are the key ingredients I need to grow. And we need to become students of ourselves because it, be, it will be vary from person to person. But what are those key ingredients? And I think that's a place to start. Once you've identified those ingredients, you can begin to start thinking in terms of a plan. Okay, so how does that, how does that work out into a plan? You know, like if you're, you say, you know, well, hey, being at church is a really important, when I'm at church, it makes a difference. I'd say, well, then how often are you at church? And, you know, for some of us here, we'd say, well, you know, maybe every three weeks, maybe once a month. It's like, well, hey, maybe the next obvious step is you just need to change your schedule. Because if God is speaking when you come and you want to hear God more, then you just need to come more. I know that, you know, for other people, it'd be different things. All right, so, um, so, so that's, that's the first thing. Do you have a plan? Second question I ask is, how's your intensity? How's your intensity? Um, one of the things that we see when we look at uh, physical training is that if you want to get faster, you want to jump higher, you want to build more strength, more flexibility, that, that requires a certain intensity, doesn't it? Like you can't just go through the motions. Like in January every year, the gyms are packed, right? Like some of you go to the gym, and you can always tell the new people because they're the one with the really cool clothes, right? They, <laughs> and there'll always be a couple guys, just because he's a guy that still has got the tag on. You know, <laughs> uh, uh, but they got the nice shoes. You know, they got all the right stretchy stuff. You know, they got the new gloves, new leather gloves, never been broken in, right? And, they, you know, and then you have those people that they don't really work out they just like to go to the gym and look good, right? And you watch those, and you just kind of, you watch that girl, you know, and she's the blonde, the cute blonde, and, and she just kind of goes from one machine to another looking great. <laughs> you never want to break your stride. You might sweat, and then that would look you know, cool. And so there's people like that, right? They just go, and they talk to this person for 15 minutes, then they come, and they do about three things, <laughs> you know, like three reps on 10 pounds, like, whoa. And they kind of walk around, I gotta loosen that baby up, you know? <laughs> And then they, they go talk to another friend, you know, and they do that whole thing. And then it's like, wow, it's been an hour and a half. I got to get going. <laughs> and the thing is, is like, if you want to get stronger, you need to stress yourself. Right? Like, that's how muscles grow, is that they get stressed beyond their comfort zone. And then, and then, they, then they heal, and they get restored, and they're stronger. And so you don't have to go kill yourself. You don't have to kill yourself or anything like that, but you have to stretch. And this is a principle that we understand in most of life. If you want to be successful in most of life, you have to go for it, don't you? Like, for example, if you want to learn an instrument, you can't take that new guitar you got for Christmas and just lay it by your pillow at night <laughs> and visualize play. Right? Like, you, you're, going to have to, you're going to have to earn some calluses. You're going to have to... Take some lessons. You're going to have to practice. If you want to learn a new language, you can't just put on the Spanish station around the house. 
you know? Like if you want to, uh, if, you, if you've given a new job at work and it's something you've never done, you can't just, hey, go and by osmosis, hang it out. Like life is designed this way. If you want to excel in any area, it takes time and energy and attention. And so we understand that in every area of life, but often not our spiritual life. We tend to assume that our spiritual life, since we have the gift of the Holy Spirit, that growth is just automatic. We can just sit back and we will grow. Here's what I want you to catch. The Holy Spirit will lead you, and the Holy Spirit will empower you. But catch this, he will empower you to work and train hard. That's what he does. Because this is the way we're designed. You know, God has created us as a race to run on passion. He's not created us as a race to be bored and passive. And this is why you see in any area of life, people who succeed in that area are passionate about it. And it's the same with spiritual life. That God has come to empower you, to give you a a vision for your future, and give you the power to do what you could never do on your own, which is run for the future and train for Yosebia. And it's as we train that we're transformed. Let me give you a couple examples. One of the things that struck me about this passage, as I've spent so much time in it in the last few months, is in... um, is the intensity of, the, of some of the verbs. In verse nine, Paul says, this is a trustworthy statement that deserves full acceptance. This is why he says, we labor and strive. Why we labor and strive. So Timmy, this is why we labor and strive to teach people about spiritual training. This is why you and I, why we labor and strive as leaders in this ministry. I want you to think about those two words. You don't have to write these down. But the Greek word for labor is the word kapiao. And when I think of that word, I always have an image that comes to my mind because it's the word that was used in Luke chapter 5 where the disciples have been fishing all night without success. And they're throwing it out. If you've never thought of it, that fishing, it wasn't like our fishing, you know? You're throwing out a heavy, wet net. Try that a few times. Now, pulling it up a few times. And you've been doing it all night long. You haven't caught anything. You're exhausted. It is back-breaking work. And when Jesus gets on the boat, he says, hey, throw it out on the other side. And they said, okay, if you want us, it's crazy. But if you want us to, but we've been laboring all night. That's kapiao. The second word here that we strive, that's the word agonizo. And the word agonizo, what we get our word agony from. And it's the word in the ancient world to describe a wrestling match. Now, I don't know if you've ever tried part of a wrestling match. I had to do this as part of a PE class all through high school. And I hated that time. November every year was three weeks of wrestling. I absolutely hated it. Can I tell you something? Wrestling is the most demanding physical sport I've ever been part of. For three minutes from the time they start that, you know, slap the mat thing. I mean, you're going at it full speed. And one false move, you're getting pinned. And so you are on your guard. It is the most, you get done with a a three-minute, four-minute match, and you are exhausted. And Paul says, Timothy, this is what we are kapiao for. This is what we're agonizing for. 
We are striving. We are working hard for this. If you think you're going to grow by being a spiritual couch potato, it's not going to happen. People sometimes look back, well, I just haven't grown that much. I haven't I've known Jesus for 15 years. I haven't changed. I, I ask you, how badly do you want it? If you approached your guitar the way you approach your spiritual life, you'd still be playing Mary Had a Little Lamb. Right? It's like, do you want this? And you look at, you look at the Bible. This is how we're designed to live. I mean, think of it. Think how many times the Bible says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with what? You all know it. Good. All your heart. What happens if you seek me with half of your heart? Nothing. And so many times, we will seek him with half of our heart, and we can't figure out, wow, you know, it just doesn't, I can't figure this out. I don't seem to experience the power of the Spirit in my life. I'm not really changing much. Well, how bad do you want it? Look what he says here in 4.15. I mean, this, these verbs run all through this passage. But 4.15, look, he says, be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them. And this has been the challenge of Jesus in my life in October. Like, Michael, I want you I want you to run this race. I want you to approach the spiritual life. I want you to approach leading this church as if you're an athlete in training. Because you need to get ready for what's coming. And so my challenge to you, how bad do you want it? And number three, the third question is, do you realize the stakes? I think many times we just don't realize the stakes. You know, like if we were to go back to the gym this month <laughs> and you had all the January people versus all the rest of the people. Right? So if you've ever been part of the gym, you know this, that January is horrible. You cannot get to a machine. But you just tell yourself, just wait a month, it'll be back to normal. Right? So, uh, you ask yourself, well, what is the difference between the January people and the all-year people? Like, why do some people just show up in January? They obviously understand the value of working out, or they, of the, they obviously have some value to that, but they don't keep with it. I mean, others do. Like, what's the difference? And I'm sure there are many different answers to that, many different components, but here's one that I would suggest. I, I believe that people who stay with it can see the future better than those who can't, who don't. There's people who stay with anything are people that can see the future. They can see like, if I continue this, this is what will happen. And if I don't continue this, this is what will happen. And the future is very real to them, so it gives them the motivation in the present. Does that make sense? And I think this is one of the things that separates out great athletes like the Michael Phelps of this world is they're able to visualize the future and they understand what it will be like to stand there and what it will be like to win and the difference it'll make in their life. And Paul goes back to this. He says it's the same way for us spiritually. If we're going to train 
that we have to be clear on the future and what happens if we do and what happens if we don't. And so there on your, uh, in your Bibles, in chapter 4, verse 16, he says, watch your life, Timothy. Watch your doctrine closely. Persevere in them because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. He says, this is what's at stake. Timothy, if you train hard, if you run hard, if you change, if you become transformed, if you experience the presence of God in your life, if you develop your gift, that's going to have huge impact, not just for your life, but for everyone around you, and not just for now, but forever. That's what's at stake, Timothy. And so I want to ask you, do you realize what's at stake? Do you realize that the way the human race is wired, that we're all interdependent and we're interconnected? And that means this year is not just about this year for you. It's about this year for everyone you touch. Like if you grow this year, it doesn't, it's not just about you and it's not just for now. It's not just for forever. It's about everyone you touch. If you grow and change this year, it will change your marriage. It will change the way you parent. It will change your family. It will change your job. It will change your ministry. It will change this church, and it will change it not just for now, but forever. Amen. Yeah. And men and women, I mean, whenever I say something this, I always feel like, I always feel like there's some that are going like, well, that's what you expect as church. No, no. This is not hyperbole. This is reality. Think back the people that have made the biggest difference in your life. And think what, how life would have been different had they not been who they were to you. You think back. I think back to my dad. A quiet man getting up 5.30 in the morning, every morning, never making a big deal about it. Never telling me I should, but 5.30 in the morning, from 5.30 to 6.30, every morning that I knew him, getting up and going out into a cold garage with a little space heater to read this Bible, to memorize scripture, to pray for our family. And I think of the way my life has been impacted by that man seeking God and training himself for godliness. What impact has that had on my life? Why has it always been so easy for me to understand? Not necessarily do. It's so easy to understand why time with God is so pivotal for our walk. Why is it so easy for me to get and so hard for so many believers? It's because I grew up with a dad that modeled this. And how has that impacted my life? And how has that impacted the lives I've impacted, and how will it impact my kids and the lives they will impact the next generation? I'm not making this stuff up. When you change, everyone changes. When you grow, everyone wins, and when you lose, we all lose. Men and women, as a church, we are called here as a church to change the world. This is not a game. I need you to grow. You need me to grow. We need each other. We need to come to our life groups. We need to all be growing. Because when you grow, I grow. We all grow. The church grows. The movement grows. The world is changed. Yes. Yes. 
Do you realize the stakes? Number four, can others see your progress? This is amazing. You know, I mentioned this earlier, but check it out in verse 15. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them. Focus in. You know, train hard so that everyone may see your what? Progress. So here's a great question. If you look back in 2016, those who know you best, can they see your progress? I want to point out what Paul's assuming. He is assuming that if we are training well, that our progress will be obvious to everyone around us. So what does that mean? If those around us can't see our progress, something is wrong. Because we know this, like I mentioned earlier, you know, you go, you start working out, you start a diet, you start getting in shape, people notice, right? They're going to notice. And Paul says the same thing's true spiritually. Like if you're focused in and you're training and you're going for it and you have a heart hungry for God and you're listening to the Spirit, people around you will see the progress. And this is important for a couple reasons. Number one is that sometimes it's, it's easier for others to see our progress than for us to see it. How many times have you, in a life group, this happens to me all the time, at the end of a session, we talk about how we've grown, and we will see each other's growth more than we see our own. You know, sometimes in our own life, we don't see it because we're just changing day by day. It's almost like your kids growing up with them, you can't see them growing, but then the relatives come. They're like, whoa, they're huge. And sometimes we can't see it. And so we need others in our life, and they're like, they can see it. But it also works the other way. Sometimes it's easy to deceive ourselves. Sometimes, especially if we've been a Christian a while and we're going through the motions, you know, we're going to church, we're going to life group, we're serving in a ministry, we're doing this stuff, that sometimes we can assume we're growing and we're not. We don't have any more love now than we had 15 years ago. We may have less. We don't have any more purity now than five years ago. That our speech is no more edifying now than it was 10 years ago. That we're really not growing. And if you were to ask people around, they would tell us, hey, do you see my progress? Hmm. Well, let me think. Can I get back to you on that? Because I want to pray about it. So I want to make sure I don't want to just go off the top. I want to really seek the Lord, you know. And I just want to hear from the Holy Spirit. So I'm just really, would that be okay? You sure? Because I just, I could give you, I could tell you something right off the top, but I just don't want, you know. Like, if you're on growing people, you sense them growing. They're going for it. They're going, they're changing, they're learning. They're always learning something. They always have something to share. What God's doing in your life, well, here's, here's what he's doing. I in the word this week. That's what he showed me. You know, it's like, oh, man, that message just hit me. And here's how God was. And they've always got something to share. Because God's moving. You can see their progress. Now, I have one last question. And it's on the back of your note sheet. So I call it four plus one. And it's where to start. <clears throat> so let's say that you're here today. And really my goal today was just to convince you of a couple things that growth is not automatic. And, and, and to really uh, help you evaluate your own growth and, and to motivate 
All right, I, I want to be. So my guess is that for some of us here, we're, you're right on track. That 2016 has been a fantastic year. You've been under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. He's teaching you, growing you, using your gifts are increasing. It's been an awesome year. And just if, if that's you, you're probably fired up right now because this, this message is just so affirming that what I'm saying is so affirming what you've experienced to be true. And you're just like, yes, I'm ready to go into a new year. But my guess is for some of us, it's not that way that we'd say, yeah, you know, I came in just kind of gliding in today. I had a hard time getting here by 1110, frankly. And, uh, you know, I just was like start of a new year. I'm just waking up. And uh, man, you've thrown like cold water in my face. You realize what's at stake and I, I want to grow. And, and you've convinced me and I really, where do I go? So here's what I'd say. Number one, first thing I tell you to do, don't take primary responsibility for your own growth. Let's start with a mindset. Um, remember that as a follower of Jesus, that you belong to someone else. And he has a vision for your life. And so you don't have to figure out on your own how to grow or how to train. The Holy Spirit is your trainer. So the first step is to put responsibility where it needs to belong, on him, and say, Lord, I want to come under your leadership the start of a new year. I want to train for you, Sebia. And as my coach, would you show me what to do? That's the place to begin. Because sometimes we take too much responsibility for our own growth. And we're like, okay, I have to go out and figure this out on my own, come up with a training plan, get myself in shape, and I'll come back and present myself to the Lord, ready for service. No, no, no. We present ourselves unfit. Think of it like if you were going to training at a gym, you had a personal trainer. You don't show up and, okay, here's my plan. You show up and you let them do the measurements and you say, okay, here's what we're going to do. So your Holy Spirit's your trainer. So you're going to present yourself and come under his leadership. That's number one. <laughs> number two, I really would think through those periods of your life you've grown the most. And I'd make a list of what are the key ingredients? Like, what do you need to grow? Like, if you were to ask me, and I don't have time to go into it, but if you were to ask me, Michael, what do you need to grow? I can tell you, seven or eight things right now. Boom, here's the things. If these things aren't in my life, I'm not going to be hitting on all cylinders. I know it. I've studied my life. I know that. So for your life, what is it? You know, is it, hey, time with God. This needs to be an important time. And when I'm doing this, this is good. Uh, it's, it's prayer time. It's uh, being in the word. It's, uh, I need to be in accountability relation. When I was with that one friend, we met every week and shared our life. I was growing the most. It's when I joined a small group. That's when it was. It's when I made church a priority. Or it's when I started listening to those podcasts. Uh, it's when um, I started reading uh, kind of spiritual challenge books who are really speaking to me. Or <laughs> whatever the thing is, you say, here are the key ingredients, the best of my understanding, that these are the things that cause me to grow. I would make a list of that. And I would ask the Holy Spirit, is there anything else that needs to be on that list? The third thing I would do is that I would ask the Holy Spirit to begin to put in your heart what he wants you to do. I think the way the Holy Spirit often leads us is by creating his desires in our heart. We'll talk about that later in the next series. But he creates desires in our heart. And so as you pray and you ask and lead, like what is your heart leading you to do? What do you feel drawn towards? The fourth thing I would say is don't be surprised if the Holy Spirit starts with small steps. You know, many times when we think of spiritual training, we think that in order to grow, we have to start with the big step. We often make this mistake when we haven't worked out forever, and we go to the gym, 
He's like, I'm going to get into shape. I'm going to start with P90X. <laughs> Bad choice. Right? You're probably just going to hurt yourself. Um, that that when, when people are getting into working out, they'll ask me about, for advice on that, I'll say, here's the thing. What I care more about is consistency than quality. Just show up. You know, if you're going to work out physically, just show up. Don't worry um, what happens so much when you get there. Just show up. Put in some time, because it will build on itself. I'm more concerned with the habit than what happens, because it will just naturally increase, and you'll actually think, but it's just so important you establish that habit. And the same thing is true spiritually. Like for some of you, the Holy Spirit may put on your heart not to get up an hour early to spend with him every day of the week. He may put on your heart to start with 10 minutes a day, the night or in the morning, depending on the kind of you know, person you are, but... 10 minutes a day. We could all do that. You say, well, but 10 minutes a day is not going to change the world. We're not trying to change the world. We're just start to start, get started. And you start, you saying 10 minutes a day, just the word, I'm just read some of the word and pray for 10 minutes a day. And that's, I'll just sit there. Then I'll sit there for 10 minutes. That's all you do. But you know what's going to happen is that God is going to begin to meet you from time. And you're going to find out all of a sudden you're going to look up. It's like, oh, it's 20 minutes. What am I doing? It's going to start getting long. That's okay. Just stick with the 10. You can go longer if you want, but just stick with the 10. Because the way habits get formed, habits get formed, they're hard to start at first. But after a while, they become just natural. So what's important for like, don't make huge things. Just, and so don't, what I'm saying is don't be surprised if the Holy Spirit just gives you a small step. Because when he gives you the small step, catch this, the first step is not the last step. He is a trainer. And as you get one step down, that he'll give you a next step. And my goal is not that we start off well and finish and then fall flat on our face in February. My goal is that a year from now, you can tell me, last year started a journey for me, and I did what you said, and I just started small, the Holy Spirit led me, but he led me throughout the year. And it was like, after I had this thing down, I was down, drop this, or this relationship, or that habit. And he would just kind of drop one thing, and I wouldn't even know what was coming next, and then he would add the next thing. And I'd watch him build this training over my life. And with each step, I became stronger and stronger and stronger. And so the thing I want you to catch is that God's vision for your life and mine is so much bigger than we can even begin to imagine. But we'll never get there unless we train ourselves for Eusebia. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. <clears throat> God, we're just so thankful <clears throat> for the, at the beginning of a year <clears throat> to be together and to be able to pursue you and have a fresh start in a new beginning. And God, my prayer is we come together as a church at the start of this year that we really want to reach for the future you have for us. And so would you meet us in a powerful way? Would you come alongside of us this week as we surrender ourselves, as we ask you to lead? Would you show us what that next step is? Give us the grace, the courage to listen and to follow, and then from one step to the next, take us higher, take us deeper. And we pray as we worship now, as we go before you, as we share our offerings with you, we pray you'd use them to build a place that is always reaching higher and deeper. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Would you stand with me as we worship? Let's pray together. God, that's our prayer today. As we head into 2017 as a church, men and women have been called this time, this place to be part of this body, this community, 
that we want to run for everything you have. God, we want to train for your Sevia, for this noble life, this life of love, this life of faith, the life of powerful speech, this healthy conduct, thriving, life of purity. We want to use our gifts. So God, we pray that you would anoint us this year for great things. You call us forth and we would listen and follow. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen, Rocky Peak. Hey, well, I'm looking forward to a fantastic year together. I can't wait for this year. A couple things as we go. If you need prayer for anything, we always have a prayer teams that are over here to my right against the far walls. They've got name badges on that if you have anything you'd love prayer about, uh, they would love to pray with you. Number two, next week, new series. And uh, we're excited about this. It's called Renew. You've got this uh, inside your program, uh, this uh, invite. And really encourage you to use that, not only to be here for yourself. Obviously, the first week of any series is critical, laying groundwork for the whole series. Uh, but also not just for you. This can be a great series, not just for us at church, but this is also a great series. Kind of like Priorities was last year. It's a great series to onboard uh, newcomers, guests, one lives that you want to invite. It's a very practical topic, uh, how God wants to renew us to be the people we were created to be, change our character that's the key to great relationships. And so uh, it's going to be really practical stuff. I encourage you to be thinking and praying. Is there anyone in your life that God wants you to invite? And then don't forget, finally, as you go, if you're not in a life group, life group sign-ups are are taking place out in the patio. I'll see you next week. I'm going to go home and collapse. God bless you. (laughs)